You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get into it. Locked On Indians. So we have some details so we can finally talk about what the season's going to look like. I'll talk about my overall view on the likelihood of all of this going through and, you know, just what the season could look like. We have a lot of details to discuss. You know, we had the bonus episode the other day to kind of talk about uh, where things are standing, how things are progressing, and now we have even more information. So the official agreement is that players will start reporting to camp on July 1st, that spring training will officially begin on July 3rd, that it's going to be staggered so that hopefully they'll have some form of testing. One of the big problems right now is that, uh, you know, there's no sure way to test players and you can be asymptomatic, which is why this is such a, uh, a disease causing so many problems is you uh, have no appearance of illness when you actually have the illness. And apparently already there's a bunch of players who with the Rockies and the Phillies that uh, have COVID and that's coming out right now. So it's like, what do we do? Can you even progress when you have a bunch of players who are already sick? How do you go from there? Because now it's on the Phillies and the Rockies would have a competitive advantage in a short season uh, if they can't use large parts of their roster for the first few weeks or even if they miss out on spring training and then their whole team is behind um, shaking off the rust. So there's a lot of things, a lot of issues and just going to continue to get magnified, which is why I still don't think we're going to see a full season uh, of even 60 games. But let's get into details. Specifically, Charlie Blackman, who's, you know, quite a big name player for the Rockies, is one of the three players who were shown to have COVID when they went to do some testing today. And that's the thing. We're going to have to do this quickly, but... uh, the exposure and everything else it just makes the situation now he's got to go in in quarantine until he's clear so the Colorado Rockies a team that two years ago were in the playoffs right you know the team that would like to think they have a chance of getting back uh, is without one of their star players and he won't be there for at least training camp and the season is right now set to start either on the 23rd or 24th 60 game season that would end September 27th so they can get in a full postseason Again, this feels a bit silly to me. I mean, they might as well. I understand kind of going to September just because they're having teams. Well, that's why this whole format is awful. Because, you know, the Indians will play in Cleveland, which means because they're not doing bubbles for teams, it just makes the chance of exposure greater, all the people who are going to be around. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do media at the game. I would think that, honestly, they couldn't or that they would have to extremely limit but I mean all of this just sets up a situation to me where it's such a higher risk of contact and if one team gets if one player on one team doesn't get caught and is infected uh, he's going to spread to his whole team very quickly and then they will spread it to the other team and then the whole league is going to be shut down so we will see but let's say by some miracle uh, none of that happens that they somehow stay healthy and get through this so Starts July 3rd, July 24th. The trade deadline is August 31st. So uh, I think I saw Zach Meisel, who did the math, said that's about 35 games in. So again, if you're looking at a Lindor deal, you're looking at the end of August uh, at the 35-game mark, which is, you know, roughly half a, a little more than half a season. It makes sense in the scheme of a 60-game season. I can't really complain about that. Uh, then we're going to have weird schedules. So it's a 60-game regular season. You're going to play 40 in your division. So that's 10 against the Tigers, 10 against the White Sox, the Royals, the Twins to get that 40. And then you're going to do uh, 
four-game series against the other Central. So every team in the other Central. So four against the Cubs, four against the Cards, four against the Pirates, the Brewers, and uh, there's obviously a team I'm forgetting in there as I'm just going through it quickly. But you get my point. It's 60 games. It's only Central. You're not going to face anyone in the East. You're not going to face anyone in the West. And it's the idea of just keeping that travel down to allow them to get in all of these games in a very uh, quick and compact way. The Like I said, the, we have players who will start reporting very soon. And there are already teams at parks. There's reports of a lot of guys in Cleveland already, uh, as well as Terry Francona. So hopefully everyone there has already been tested so we know what's happening. But the upside to this now is compared to a day ago, uh, I don't think this does prevent the Reds trade because I thought maybe they would be playing more games against the Reds than they are, uh, especially if it's something that's knocked out before the deadline, then the Indians wouldn't even have to worry about facing him. The bigger question is how much trade value does anyone have? Uh, with all the uncertainty, no one knows what's going to look like. When Lindor becomes a free agent, he is going to be extremely valuable, but he's also going to be in this situation where they're not going to have a, a CBA that works after next season. Uh, everyone knows a huge labor issue is on the horizon. It is coming. These negotiations that were another crap show uh, just continue to prove that point, that this is going to be a big showdown when the CBA ends after the 2021 season. So if you trade for a player, um, they wouldn't tip, typically it's always things would stay. You're still going to get your comp pick. You're going to get your season and a half, but who knows what else is going to occur. And then also, I mean, if you are losing money this season, uh, I think owners are going to be less likely to, uh, to want to add high salary players, even though it is a prorated amount, it's still, you know, multiple millions of dollars for a player like Francisco Lindor. The other side of things, I could see the Indians being mandated to cut salary. I mean, if they are in a situation where the ownership is like, we are losing money or we're not making as much as we want to make, the Indians could start this season with a mandate to cut down on salary, with a mandate to go out and make moves. Uh, they could trade Lindor sooner rather than later if they have to cut salary. And that's one of those things you have to wonder about. Will that be in place? Will it be something where it's like, we know we already cut salary, but now we need to cut some more because uh, this season... Uh, we might be billionaires, but we can't lose a few million uh, this year. So that's all things we have to consider when you're looking at this short and affair with the Indians uh, specifically. I am very concerned about that last point, just the point of a team that's going to be forced to, uh, in the Indians' case, they could very easily just ownership telling them the payroll, even with a prorated amount, is uh, too much and needs to be reduced immediately. Built Bar is our sponsor, and I got my recent shipment from them uh, just the other day. I was doing one of their current deals that they have at 50% off the current site where it's on all their previous ones. I really like the lemon meringue pie in particular. Uh, lemon just uh, translates so well, especially the chocolate as a personal view. So I would highly recommend going over there. And remember, they're in 50% off site. So even if the promo code doesn't work, you, they're not accepting promo codes, enter the locked on one because yes, it doesn't do anything for you, but it does something for us and it helps us look good and shows that we are still driving people to their site. You're currently getting the best deal you can possibly get with this 50% off everything on site, but entering the promo code helps us out on our end. Um, it's been great seeing some other people try. And again, it is a product that we all genuinely like who hosts this show. We've had discussions about it. We all enjoy it, and I can't recommend it enough. It's my favorite protein bar currently, BuiltBar.com. 
Remember to use that promo code locked on so they know where you found out about them. So let's get back into it. Uh, you know, I was joking about uh, earlier, about four hours ago, when I put out a tweet about uh, it's December and uh, the World Series is occurring after three shutdowns because of coronavirus and the teams are only half made up of the players that were supposed to be there. And with the Charlie Blackman information coming out, it just makes it all more crystallized that how impossible the situation is. And after spending months arguing and then coming to no agreement and essentially going back and doing this March plan, which they had since March, instead of getting things in place to make sure that players were uh, healthy, it's going to bite them now because now these guys are not ready to go. The league is not ready. And yes, they have almost a month until the season starts to get everything together and ready. But if a player misses a significant amount of that time, they're still not going to be available to their teams or they're going to take a while to get ready to play. It's just not great uh, on any level at all. But let's talk about the other agreement in this one, the health protocol agreement that allows all players to opt out for any reason for this season. So I'm also going to be very curious to see what players decide that it is not worth the health risk. And if you are living with a high-risk person or a pregnant spouse, you can opt out and still be paid. So every single player... You know, it's, I think I saw it's like Garrett Cole, Mike uh, Trout, and Bryce Harper could all choose to sit out this season and be paid. That is absolutely part of the agreement because they have uh, pregnant significant others. I saw that in someone else's tweet. I could be incorrect there. I'm just going to put that together. But, uh, yeah, it's a situation where we may not even get some of the best talent. There's going to be players who choose not to sit out. And I guarantee some players will. Uh, there will be players who are not going to you're going to decide it's not worth the risk. So I'm sure that is going to be a, a well-reasoned and well-accepted point for those players. I'm sure that they're just not going to get drugged through the mud over that. No, I'm 100% sure they will, uh, even though th- there's no reason to. It's a scary situation. It is a scary disease. There's a reason the world has changed because of it. But we are in this situation where, A, it's clear baseball does not know how they're going to go about this. There have They do have in place... Uh, a new that at any point in time the MLB has the right to relocate teams during the regular season to a neutral site which is what they should have done from the beginning that's the only way this has any chance of working and clubs can invite up to 60 players to their spring training camps so you're looking at 60 plus coaching you're probably looking at close to 100 players per team so it's what 3,000 people at least involved in spring training I do like some of the changes to spring training the idea that you can sub players in and out, uh, yeah, I, I think that should just always be allowed in spring training. Just let people get the reps you need them to get. It shouldn't be a big deal if you have to sub them in and out. Who cares about those games? The other thing we have to discuss is how they're going to handle extra inning games. And that's going to be another hot button issue for a lot of people. Extra innings are a big deal because with this schedule the way it is, they don't have the ability to have those long extra inning games. So they're going to be modified so that each half inning following the ninth inning, they will begin with a runner on second base until the team wins. The runner placed on second base will be the player who made the last out of the previous inning. Pinch runners are allowed. So we're starting with this rule that was in the minors, that it's uh, hopefully going to be a way to not have super long uh, 15, 18 inning affairs. A, because you want players to not be tired and worn out. You don't have that supply of arms who are pitching all the time in the minors to call up and play that little game the teams play. And B, there's going to be so many games packed in there. You 
you don't have the extra rest time you typically have. Uh, some other interesting rules. Pitchers are allowed to carry a small wet rag in their pocket as a replacement for licking fingers. Keeping the three batter minimum for pitchers. I saw that it would start with a 30-man roster, go down to 28, and eventually go down to 26 as the season went on. Uh, position players can pitch at any point during a game with zero limitations. Before the season was suspended, the league intended to change the rules so they can only pitch if a game goes to extra innings or if a team is winning or losing by more than six runs. I think that was because people are unsure about how they're going to use the whole uh, two-way players, and that's becoming a bigger thing. Uh, The other thing is if the player who's placed on second, if that player scores, it is not an earned run for the pitcher. Yes, that means a game is going to likely end at least once, probably more than that with uh, a pitcher not getting an earned run, but picking up the loss. So just odd little statistical anomaly. Uh, Oh yeah, and probably maybe the biggest one just in terms of everyday play, DH, both leagues. So we're going to see that go out uh, as well. No pitchers hitting, even with, you know, two-thirds of the schedule being, two-thirds being in the the American League, but one-third of the Indian schedule is going to be against the National League teams. But everyone is going to, be using the dh so yeah it's uh it's gonna be a weird baseball uh on so many levels i mean i don't think we can really state that strongly enough uh everything about it i mean we talked about the details of what things will look like but we also have to sit back and think about what are the indians going to do like i said i do have my concerns about them being forced to cut payroll i'm also curious to see how active the trade market's going to be i just don't know uh what you can kind of look into uh you know because you're not there's no miners to scout so how do you feel about these prospects you go back to last year and then any prospects you get likely there's not going to be any season for them any development in this year for them so it makes it even more difficult to make that trade like if you're the indians you're probably looking for a young player who's performing and then you have to find a team that's willing to trade you a a performing player with you know four to five years of control plus pieces for two years of Lindor now Lindor is a fantastic player don't get me wrong but when you look at something like the Mookie Betts deal where it was um you know what three prospects ended up going to uh Boston and one of the or three players two prospects and one of them being a a proven talent I mean the Indians are going to be lucky I feel like right now to get a deal like the what uh, the Red Sox got for bats. They're kind of stuck in this situation where I don't know what's going to happen with Lindor, but I, I think, I think it's very unlikely he ends the season with the Indians. Um, in combination of a chance to save money and you know, kind of that last chance to trade where it's more than just a rental for him. But it's going to be, it's going to be hard to see him somewhere else. That's going to be on top of this season just being as ridiculous as it is. It is also the season where we're likely going to have to deal with the end of Francisco Lindor in Cleveland. Um, We'll see what happens with the rest of the team. It's going to be interesting for that 30-man roster. I'd like to find uh, some more confirmation on that. I think it was in Chris uh, Cotillo tweet where I saw it originally. But either way, it gives teams, especially at the start, a little bit more flexibility, so it makes a lot of sense. And then I think the thing you really have to look at is, with the postseason being exactly the same, is looking at the standings and seeing, you know, who has it easiest? Is it easiest if you're in the East, Central, or West? And I think the easiest road of the postseason is very clearly for teams in the West. And I say that because 
yes, you have Houston and Oakland and the Dodgers. Arizona had a good season a year ago, but they still finished 85 and 77, a little over 500. Uh, Texas was below 500. They did go out and make some moves to try to get above 500, but I don't see them as a contender. The Angels went out and made some moves, but that pitching staff is still not very good. Seattle is pretty much just going for worst record. Uh, San Diego's going to try. Colorado's going to try. San Francisco is not going to try. Uh, we already mentioned Arizona, but none of these are teams that are... I mean, these are all teams that finish under 500. So you look at that, and yes, there's effort. You look at the Central... Uh, Kansas City and Detroit are awful, so that's a benefit, right? You have that. Pittsburgh is awful, so they have three awfuls, which definitely gives the Central a heads up on most of the other ones. When you look out at the NL Central, Cardinals made the postseason, kept most players. Milwaukee made the postseason, did lose a lot of talent. Uh, re, you know, kind of went through and tried to rebuild things. We'll see how it goes. Uh, added a lot of players on the cheap, but they're a team that... Uh, probably needed a full spring training just to kind of figure things out a bit better so i think they're in place to kind of come back chicago is still a very talented squad cincinnati made a lot of moves as well and when you're talking about teams that were below 500 a year ago cincinnati and the chicago white Sox are looking to be two of the most improved teams in baseball just in terms of winning percentage they're both central teams so while there are three teams that are just pretty horrid the rest of them are interesting or straight out good uh that's that's gonna make it tough on the indians there's not a ton of cupcakes when you go to the west yes there's only seattle who is truly terrible i think san francisco will probably be pretty bad as well and then you have teams trying but it's a lot of teams who you know the angels have a clear weakness texas i don't know how much you want to buy into their record remember they started out really well before kind of imploding uh, San Diego is kind of expecting to make a leap, but they didn't add much to their roster. And we'll see what Arizona can promote and what happens with Colorado, but there's a lot of reasons to think that they're going to have more kind of mid-level teams than the Central will have. And then out east, uh, Toronto had a really interesting offseason. Don't sleep on them, but Baltimore is going to be awful. Miami's going to be awful. Uh, the Mets, the Phillies, Washington, Atlanta. The east is the worst conference. And this is, this is a big deal because New York and Tampa are very good. Both those teams are two of the top five teams in the American League. They should both make the postseason. There's a chance one of them will not make it because the East is going to be the hardest division to pull a wild card team out of. It's just the truth of it. There are two teams that are bad, and then there are a lot of teams that were 500 or better. I mean, the only team that was not at least 500 outside of those two bad teams was Toronto, who again had one of, I think, the top five off-seasons in terms of talent addition. So the East is just going to be a ugly, ugly affair. It's going to make it hard for a team to get out of there. Now it comes down to, can the Indians take advantage of that? Um, I still think they're in a good position to have a chance to make the postseason. But again, Toronto and New York are really good. I could still see one of them making it as a wild card. And then it comes down to, you know, trying to compete with Oakland, that's the same team it was a year ago, but now has players back from suspension. Uh, Montes, the pitcher, who was suspended. The Indians have an extremely shaky bullpen that I am extremely worried about as we head into the year. I don't think the postseason is a guarantee. I think they're in a dogfight to get there. I think it's going to be an interesting season uh, just in terms of them having to, at some point, 
make a decision what they're going to do because there are some talent gaps right now and there are some interesting young players and there are some players under contract but you're looking at a team that honestly within two years you know clevenger lindor santana you know three core pieces could all be gone Uh, brad hand your closer i mean it's a team that within the next two years could be massively redone and the question is do they keep trying to do this rebuild on the fly or do they do a full sell-off at some point to me this was kind of like the last year this was supposed to be kind of their last opportunity to go all in with kind of that vet talent but instead you know they traded bauer which didn't have an issue with because of his inconsistencies kluber got hurt and they moved him uh carlos carrasco had his cancer issue which is huge uh, but because of all that, all of a sudden that pitching staff that was what was going to carry this team, you know, had gave them one of the best rotations in baseball, is shaky. And the bullpen's even shakier. And the lineup might be the team's strength, weirdly enough. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to look forward to having baseball back. I will probably be unable to keep so... Uh, you know, laissez-faire about it as I have been now. Uh, and we still have to sit back and see what happens to Yasiel Puig. I still would not be opposed to the Indians bringing him in if he would take a lesser deal to come back. Uh, Lord knows they could use some more help in that outfield as they figure out this entire team and what they're going to do moving forward. I've been Jeff Ellis. You've been fantastic as always. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to check out our other great Lockdown podcasts, uh, including Lockdown Fantasy. Forward this it's going to be a crazy fantasy season so you definitely want to check that out uh, you can find me on twitter at jeff draft and as always go tribe